Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode where I get to speak to incredible people. And today's person is truly incredible. I I literally admire this individual so much for what she's achieved and how she stays grounded. And she's so authentic in everything that she does. Today we're talking to uh, Leah Turner, Director of Leah Does LinkedIn. Um, I came across Leah a year ago and when I heard her story in terms of how she's grown a LinkedIn coaching business just over the last two or three years, uh, since lockdown really, and it's just exploded. But when you understand Leah, when you see Leah and how she comes across, it's no surprise and we were just talking before we pressed record here, Leah, and you're just telling me how it constantly continues to grow your business. Uh, and many, many congratulations on that. But welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, there's so much I want to talk to you about, everything from authenticity. Uh, I've seen some of your posts about the new professionalism and, you know, with tattoos and how people need to perceive how people are perceived and how we need to embrace diversity for everything that diversity is. And, you know, professionalism is not about wearing a suit anymore or, you know, wearing business attire. Incredible people come from all sorts of walks of life. So what is your take now on what a professional looks like? I don't think a professional has to look any specific way. And I think that's been, it's been an evolution over the past I've been working for 15 plus years now um, and I certainly have noticed the the acceptance has grown of people looking differently, um, especially when it comes to things like tattoos, piercings, hair colour, um, you know, the way they dress. I don't struggle to be taken seriously anywhere near as much. That might be because of the profile and the business that I've created, um, but it but it's not it doesn't seem to surprise people as much when I walk into a business event covered neck to toe in tattoos. Um, Mm. It doesn't seem to be as shocking to people as it used to be, uh, or I certainly don't feel like I, um, I am shocking people. So I think it's massively improved. There's still a way to go. Um, I still find that I get pushback from certain uh, demographics of people that, that think that they take one look and think, can't take her seriously she's not professional until they sort of understand what I've achieved and and who I am as a person and it can quite quickly change I think um when when they actually realize that you know this this image hasn't stopped me but certainly when I was a teenager um and I did sort of start getting tattoos and piercings I was very strongly advised that if I chose to make myself look different that I would never get a good job. And, um, you know, I, 
I never went for those kinds of jobs because I agreed. I thought there's no chance. And I just took that and thought, well, you know, I've, I've I can either be me or I can have a, a great career and I can't have both. And I chose to be me. Um, but ultimately that's led to a great career. I, I, I love this this grasp of authenticity that you've got, you know, so many people talk about being authentic and they use it almost as a buzzword, don't they? You know, I'm very authentic, et cetera, et cetera. And we live in a world where people talk more and more about the need to be authentic, but there's only a few people that really show up uh, for who they are. And uh, just before this podcast, I was re reading one of your uh, email shots and even in the email shot, I just sense that it's just so real and, is there an art to that or what, what are you thinking when you, when you write something, when you create a video, when you do a LinkedIn post, how is it that you you, you connect so well with people? I don't honestly know. I've just, <laughs> I mean, and I, there's a phrase that I always say in that, you know, you can't be authentic. Authentic is what you are when you stop trying to be anything else. Yeah. And for me that, that rings true. I, I've never been somebody who, tries to change who I am to please others. Now, I'm not saying I haven't had people pleasing behaviours. Obviously, we all we all want to um, make people around us happier. And sometimes I've sort of edited the way I am and my behaviour. But ultimately, it all comes. I think if you were to analyse the psychology behind it, I lost my dad when I was 10 and he was only 41. And one of the things that that taught me is that life can be taken away from you at any moment and that you shouldn't waste it trying to please everybody else and do things that make other people happy that make you miserable because if you were to have your life taken away you know at 41 years old you'll die full of regret and that sort of played out in a theme in my life is that I just I don't want to hurt anybody else but I want to do what makes me happy um, and what is best for the people that I really care about and so that's how I've just lived my life. And if people don't like me, I just sort of think, well, does it really matter? Because I'm not, I'm not disliked by the majority of people. Most people do, you know, resonate. You know, there's an old saying, isn't there, Leah, that uh, you can't please all the people all the time. And why would you want to? Exactly. And that's what you're talking about, really. You, you literally cannot please everybody. So I'd rather people loved me or hated me than were indifferent to me. Clearly, a lot, a lot of people love you because... Lunatics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those lunatics. Um, your business only started, what, what, back in 2020? If I remember the story right, yeah. uh, you had another business. It was uh, around uh, writing, wasn't it? Transcription. So I used to work for lawyers and doctors and, and um, construction professionals writing out reports so they would send me dictations right. and I would turn them into text. So I was only ever writing other people's words. And then what happened? That was in like in 2020, the world changed for you, didn't it? Yeah. So I, I started that business in, um, so it was 10 years ago this month, actually, that I started that business. No, that I left. I was working in construction as an office manager. Um, and then 10 years ago this week, I actually handed in my notice and went full time as a transcriber and, and ran that business, just me. Um, and then basically I'd gotten to LinkedIn to try and grow that business a little bit after years of typing um, and wanting to sort of work less hours so I wanted to grow a, a team and so I thought well LinkedIn might be a way to do that with no marketing budget um 
And I did really well on LinkedIn very quickly. Uh, as soon as I started really being myself and writing and writing quite confidently, I, I, at first I was very hesitant. And then I was like, well, screw it. I'm just going to be who I am. And if they don't like me and it doesn't work, well, all I've lost is a bit of time. Um, but my following grew very, very, very fast. I, I am standing in awe or sitting in awe listening to you uh, because, you know, one thing that you talk about there is, uh, sorry, I'm going to be me. Yeah. Right. And I think genuinely, I was talking to another uh, person in the leadership space who is also, as you know, I'm a senior, uh, ex-senior police officer. He also was an ex-senior police officer. Now we live in, we've spent three decades living in this bubble of behaving in a certain way and being expected to talk and behave and everything else in a certain way. And he and I were talking away and he says, I really struggle, Cole, to be absolutely human in on LinkedIn because I worry all the time about my former colleagues, current colleagues, what they might be thinking about what I write. You must come across this all, all the time. Yeah, people say it to me all the time and I just say, I turn it around to them and say, but are those people going to become your clients? And they say no. And I say, so why does it matter? And they go, well, mm. I don't know. Like, if they don't like it and they, they think you're silly they're not paying your mortgage. So it really doesn't matter. What matters is you're saying the things that attract clients to you and help you to build relationships. Not that you're impressing people that no longer have any relevance to your life. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, the whole idea for me is completely baffling. Why anybody would want to impress people that are completely useless to them. Like really the only people we should ever be wanting to impress are the people that really love us and that we yeah. care about their opinions um, and the people who are going to pay us money or benefit our business in some way. And if they like us, they'll want to work with us. They'll build trust with us. And if they don't, they won't. But why would you want to work with somebody that doesn't like and respect you for who you are? Yeah. And I think it's really when you actually can be okay with being liked or disliked for who you actually are, it's incredibly powerful. It's really, really empowering because if you're constantly wearing a mask, if you're constantly being a different version of yourself and someone's saying, oh my gosh, you're amazing. You're so inspiring. Thank you so much for that. It really helps me. You don't internalize it properly because you know that you're not being real. Whereas if you're being true to who you are and someone says those things, you can properly take that on board and go, this is me being who I really am. And this is helping people. And this feels really good. It doesn't feel good to do that when you're playing a role. And it also feels incredibly awful to be hated if you're playing a role. Mm. Yes. It doesn't help you to further yourself if you're playing games and pretending. Um, and you end up with a constant psychological disconnect between who you are in the workplace and who you are at home and who you are with your friends. If you can be who you are in all of those different areas, and that consistency of, of personality, obviously, within reason, there are things we do with our friends that we wouldn't necessarily do with our kids and vice versa. But that that consistency of who you are really helps, for me, it really helps me psychologically to understand who I am and be, be grounded. Because otherwise, I'm constantly trying to be this different version. It's stressful. I love where this is going. I mean, um, I knew that I was going to end up talking about authenticity with you, but you're stripping the layers way around authenticity. <laughs> so I just want to go in a bit deeper there. Yeah, go for it. So, I mean, I've, I often say, you know, 
that when we leave our house, uh, you know, the, one of the last things that we do before we leave the house is we look, ourselves, look at ourselves in the mirror and we ask ourselves, you know, do I look good? Do I look okay? Do I look appropriate for, you know, for going to work, for going, meeting my friends, for wherever it is that you're going? So essentially what we're ending up doing throughout our entire lives is wearing masks. And what you're saying is strip the masks off. Just be the same person aside from the fact that, you know, you'd behave slightly different with your kids, with, with your, with your pets and with your, et cetera, et cetera, but be the same person and actually not carry some baggage around. I think it's just, it's just exhausting. And see, I don't do that. I don't look in the mirror and think, do I look okay for the environment? I think, am I comfortable? Like, am I comfortable? yeah, but you know what? You're one of these people that you, you just drop dead good looking and you've got that smile on your face. It's easy for you. That's what a lot of people might, might say. It's not like that. That's not at all true. I have, I have the same insecurities as, as everybody else. Like I'm, I'm constantly insecure about the way I look and, you know, getting older and all of those normal things. I worry about my weight. I spend a fortune getting my hair done. Like I honestly, I'm no different than anybody else. Um, and, and sometimes, sometimes it can be, uh, also a bad thing because you sort of think, oh, people have got this illusion of me because they see me all the time. True. And so you've got to look your best when you go to these things. And, you know, and it, it can be a double-edged sword. And are people taking me seriously? Are people following me on social media because they think I'm a, a pretty tattooed girl or are they following me because they actually find me interesting? So you still have problems. They're just slightly differently angled. Um, you know, being a, a tattooed youngish blonde woman you get so many stereotypes and stigmas thrown at you oh i can imagine yeah i can imagine and i'm, I'm guessing that you get a lot of messages yeah i mean it's just you know the single mum covered in tattoos blonde hair that people will just make these horrible assumptions about you that that for people who um blend in better they don't they don't necessarily get those so there's always everybody's got their own struggles and and being what people might consider good looking doesn't negate life problems it just creates a different set of problems for all those people Leah who might have this this image of who you might be because of how you look uh, and the fact that you're young and you're a single mom uh, I want to pick up where we left off in terms of where your business is and how it grew because this is a proof of the pudding for me it is what what you do is just so unique and is so successful because of who you are so you were explaining to us uh, that, you know, in 2020, your, your, your transcription business had gone and you were using LinkedIn anyway to, to drive this transcription business. What happened then? Uh, so my following started growing very quickly when I brought humour and personality into my writing. Um, I was still a bit nervous about kind of sharing the way I looked. So I, I think I had a logo to start with and then I had a profile photo um, and then I just started being quite open and, and silly and I grew very fast. The followers grew to about 10,000 in the space of a couple of months, which was, which was quite quick. Wow. Um, and then by March, I think I had reached about 25,000. So that was in about four months, um, four or five months. And then when COVID hit, my clients couldn't see their clients. So I wasn't getting the business. And I'd, at that point I'd had like a hundred inbound leads and inbound clients on LinkedIn. Um, I'd grown my team to five other transcribers that were working um, as freelancers for me and everything was going exactly to plan. And I was overwhelmed. I was just like, this is amazing. I'm like the go-to transcription person on LinkedIn and everybody's recommending me, which was 
amazing and so, so exciting. Um, but then obviously when my clients couldn't see their clients and everything started to sort of grind to a halt and I only had enough work to keep me going and I had my four-year-old at home and that was not practical because when you're transcribing you've got to really focus you've got to have your headphones on like you've got to be concentrating for hours and you can't do that mm. with a four-year-old running around at home like making loads of noise so um I panicked and I didn't know what to do I had a bit of a meltdown and then I'd been thinking about writing like a guide on how I'd grown my following and got all these leads on LinkedIn just to sell to make a bit of extra money and um and I had a conversation with somebody that was really struggling with LinkedIn and she paid loads of money to a LinkedIn trainer and not got any results. And I had a conversation with her. She was a fellow transcriber um, and also a single mum. And I had a conversation with her and gave her loads of advice. And she came back afterwards and went, that advice, you've done more for me in that hour of a phone conversation than the £2,000 I paid that other person for training. And I was like, maybe there's something in this. Um, and that's when I, I offered a free training session for someone because I'd never been to a training session, never mind hosted my own. So I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. And were you doing all this online then? Because, of course, we'd be in lockdown then, wouldn't we? Yeah, we were deep in COVID at that point. So that was like uh, end of April 2020 was the first time I hosted a free training session. Um, then I set it all up properly with like Zoom and Calendly and everything and started selling it. And um, just as like a side thing on my main website, and I got a lot of bookings, got some amazing results, did a bit of ghostwriting for some people on the side as well. And all of a sudden, my business that was earning, I was working about 50 hours a week with transcription. And I think I was, I was making about £1,300 a month, which not a lot. Um, and that changed dramatically once I started LinkedIn training and I've been pretty much booked up ever since. Well, I mean, just before we press record today, you were telling me how you're really struggling to fit a lot of the work in, aren't you right now? Yeah. Cause the, the coaching sessions that I do, they're three hours long when I do one-to-ones because I've had to keep extending them. Um, and they're amazing, but they're very intensive and people rave about them. Like they absolutely love doing them. And it's it's great to actually have that proper amount of time to really sit and get to know somebody. But they're very draining for me because I've got ADHD. Yeah. And one of the things that I really struggle with is focusing on things for a very long period of time. It's easy when I'm interested and I do find it very interesting working with my clients, but it's very creatively draining for me because I'm coming up with lots of ideas. I'm really actively listening to them. And I have to really, um, when I'm listening to somebody speaking, I'm, it takes me extra effort to stay focused on what they're talking about and process yes, what they're saying. That, um, yeah. So I try to only do one of these coaching sessions now a week, but I also do corporate trainings. I do webinars. I'm running a mem membership community. I've also got a seven-year-old son um, that I'm running around after. So I'm trying to condense it down into his school hours. Um, I've also got products and teams that I you know, need to keep on top of. It's just a lot. And that's not even mentioning, you know, having an Instagram and a TikTok and a LinkedIn and a Twitter to keep on top of as well, because I do <laughs> all my own content. So, um, yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, it's great to be so busy. And don't get me wrong, you know, what I'm earning is, is it doesn't, it's ridiculous compared to what I used to earn. Um, 
but it's it's been a, a huge learning curve and I just like my brain just feels like it's constantly on fire with how much information I'm I'm learning all of the time uh, so what we're seeing now is this incredible accelerated exponential growth just in the space of two years uh, and and you know I'm genuinely very very happy for you you've put a lot of hard work in you've demonstrated that when you are authentic when you're committed when you're consistent all sorts of miracles can occur well, I say miracles, they're not really. This is the kind of results that you will get when you put that hard work in. But with with that rate of acceleration and that growth, Aaliyah, there are also challenges, aren't they? Because when any organisation grows at such a pace, uh, when I'm working with client organisations and they're going through that, there's a challenge in terms of the, 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 the mindset of the organisation, the people in the organisation, there's challenges that you wouldn't normally expect. What sort of challenges have you had with the the, the incredible stretch of the organisation that you've had in such a short space of time? Well, it's just me. So I don't have employees. I had a PA for mm. a year. Um, and actually that, while she was incredible, um, I didn't find that I liked having that responsibility of managing somebody else and providing them with right. like, jobs to do. So I've, I'm back to just having a VA and and there's a group of them that work together. Um, so I've got freelancers I work with. Um, but I think the biggest struggle for me is establishing boundaries and knowing, knowing the direction that I want to go. Um, there are lots of directions I could go and there's lots of advice from lots of people that think, you know, you should do this, you should do that. You could grow a content agency. You can do this, go for this. And it's, it's me finding that, hold on a minute, I've got all this noise. What's going to make me happy? What am I going to enjoy doing the most? Because if I don't enjoy it, I'm, I've got ADHD, right? If something doesn't give me those dopamine hits, if I'm not really loving what I'm doing, I won't do it. And I won't have that motivation that everyone says. So you're not necessarily driven by what a lot of businesses are driven by, this this, this desire, this deep set need to keep growing. You want that balance. You want it. You want to feel fulfilled and happy within within all of everything that you're doing. The money's lovely. Don't get me wrong. Right. I've I've been broke. I've been checking my bank account for you know. Can I afford the food shop? I know what it's like to be there. I've been there, and as a single parent, that's frightening. But it's not that that drives me. We were happy even when we were poor, and we are happy now. And it's the happiness that drives me because if I don't if I don't find joy in the things that I do on a daily basis. I won't do them. They just won't get done. So it for the business to thrive, it has to thrive based on me having fun and enjoying doing it. And if it doesn't, that either has to get outsourced or I change and I don't do that anymore. Um, it's not going to work for everybody. Uh, and I know that. And it's not something that I'm saying everybody should go out and quit everything that doesn't make them happy. If you've got the motivation and the dedication to be able to do something that you don't really like and do it well and commit to it great i envy you but i'm like if i if i was like that kind of person i'd be a size eight and love the gym and i don't <laughs> so like it's it's one of those um it's it's reasonably unique to me uh, or to having adhd i think is that i've got it's got to be something that makes me happy i'm a nicer person i'm a better mum when i'm doing stuff that makes me happy so yeah that's been the most important thing but the the biggest struggle is is finding what I want to do next and trying not to let everybody else's opinions crowd my brain um, and structure. I'm not very good at structure. And that's something that I'm 
bringing a lot more of it in um, as we go into 2023. So I've got an ops team that are running in the background. Clover Collective are supporting um, my the business side of things, all of the day-to-day running bits, and I'm going to become more and more reliant on them um, so I can do the stuff that earns the money and pushes the needle forward on the business. Uh, so I, I, I love how you have, uh, structured yourself. I mean, you say you don't want to be managing people, but you have to sort of, in a sense, you're having to demonstrate leadership skills all the time. You've got these remote teams, both from your ops side, your VA side, you've actually got this expanding team. You might not employ them, but you are yeah. leading them. Um, uh, and, and I've spoken to one or two of them and they are, they, they come across as very motivated, happy people. So you're doing something right. And, you know, there's a lot of people who follow you in the whole community and they're truly engaged. So you're demonstrating some really powerful leadership skills that I'm always looking for when, when I'm talking to leaders. But then there are lots of great leaders out there who don't have this sixth element, this hidden element that you seem to have. And, you know, everything about you just in this short podcast screams authenticity to me, screams values. You've got a very value driven way of thinking. You know, you're saying if it doesn't make me happy, I'm not going to do it. It's not all about the money. Uh, and yet a lot of businesses will say, well, you know what? Money is how we measure our success, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you must come across some clients who have got so much potential to be amazing at what they do, but there's some, there's that reticent or there's that inability they feel to make relationships on LinkedIn. And yet we're in this incredibly changing world where building relationships online first is probably where we have to be. So what are the techniques, tips, techniques, tools or advice that you give to these people who say I'm really struggling to build relationships online I'm at an advantage because weirdly enough I spent a lot of my teenage years in chat rooms so I learned (laughs) quite well to communicate I had insomnia as a teenager and so on the lonely nights when I had no one to talk to and tv finished at 12 o'clock or 11 o'clock before Netflix I used to turn to chat rooms for entertainment Um, so I learned to network online and I made a lot of friends across the world from all different backgrounds, just by talking in groups and MSN Messenger and all of that. I was on the cusp of that. My goodness, does that still exist? I remember I that so. long, long yeah, time ago. Yeah, I don't ago. think it's still a thing, but it was. It, but I was on that the cusp of that sort of technology generation where socialising moved from in person to quite comfortably online before the days of WhatsApp and Snapchat and all of that. Um, you know, there was no TikTok, but we had MSN messenger and we would go home and we would have our tea. And then we would sit on MSN messenger chatting to our friends because it was 10 P a text. So we went on MSN instead. Um, I'm showing my age now. <laughs> you but know, I'm a I lot older learned- than you, Leah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I learned to network online and I've always been very comfortable networking online, but I think the biggest disconnect so many people have is that they forget that they're just talking to people. And it's like, why would you if you walked into an after work drinks and that room is full of people that you know you can learn from that you can get along with you can build valuable relationships with but you're stood in the corner not saying anything that's not networking you'd be working the room wouldn't you yes chatting to people at the bar you'd be talking about how did your day go did you get stuck in the traffic oh my god the weather's awful hasn't it have you tried that new restaurant down the street you'd be having all of these different conversations and it wouldn't just be about work 
And yet people go onto LinkedIn and it's almost like they pull their tie too tight, stand up a little bit uncomfortably straight and go, right, I'm going to be this robot version of myself. And actually, that's not how you would behave if you went to a networking event. You'd relax. You'd have those conversations. You'd laugh and joke with people. And yet when people go onto LinkedIn, they go, oh, my God, everyone's watching. I've got to be this this Sunday church version of myself. And I think LinkedIn itself has changed it so much over the years, hasn't it? I mean, I remember when I first went on LinkedIn, I'm some eight, nine years ago, something like that. And uh, it was very, it was very much like that. It was very much sort of, uh, you know, collars and ties. But now I see a lot of posts where people will, uh, you know, start the discussion off, by, start the post off by saying something. I know this is not, uh, this is not Facebook, you know, and I'm thinking, why do you have to say that? You know, but you, you see so much raw stuff on LinkedIn now. And it, it for me, it reminds me of what Facebook used to be like before Facebook got messy. There's a this, there's a distinct difference for me between what is on what is what belongs on Facebook and what belongs on LinkedIn. And the difference for me is is the goal of the post. So I might talk about um, the fact that I'm a single parent, but what I talk about is from an angle of but I'm coping and I'm getting there, and you can too. So it comes across. So it's always about the lesson or, or what you take away from the post. If I'm just posting a picture of my lunch saying great lunch today, Facebook post. Right. If I am posting, I went to this new um, had a client meeting at this new restaurant, um, had an amazing meal. This is the restaurant. So you're promoting another small business. You're talking about the client you've worked with. Fine. Post a picture of your lunch but make it valuable to me. I've just learned about a new restaurant or I've learned something interesting about how you interact with your clients that maybe I can implement myself. So it's always for me, if it's inspiring, if it's entertaining, if it's educational, if it's motivating, that then it belongs on LinkedIn. But if the post is just pay attention to me and it's all about me rather than getting somebody else involved in the conversation and, and building relationships or teaching them something, that's the difference that I think is is. Really Sure. I get that entirely. And it makes, and you've explained it so simply. And, you know, one of the things that we do is we, we teach public speaking. We have a public speaking course. And one of the things I always say is there is no point in getting up in front of other people unless you're going to try and deliver some value. If you're going to just get up and just talk about yourself, then it's almost like you're trying to get therapy from the other people. But if you're going to choose to stand up in front of other people, the content has ultimately got to go, have some value for the people in the audience. But it doesn't mean you can't speak about yourself because it's very valuable. Absolutely. You've got to tell stories. Yeah. So people, no. people really resonate with personal stories and, and stories about uh, your own experiences. And it, I think people really, really connect with those I posts. I did this three years ago. I was this. They do connect with it, but it's about them bringing them into the conversation as well by asking them for their own experiences or encouraging like a strong statement that will that would entice them into conversations because LinkedIn that is exactly what LinkedIn is for it is a networking platform it's a social yeah. media business networking platform anyone who says to you LinkedIn isn't social media it is but it's with a business slant um, yeah and you get you get people they they will just post random ramblings that that have no relevance or value to anybody but those are the people that haven't quite grasped linkedin yet they're still experimenting working out what does work and what doesn't um but no i think linkedin has developed 
hugely over the last couple of years specifically. Um, definitely since I got on there, I've noticed a massive shift and I absolutely love it. I still do get annoyed by some of the content that comes up. There's a lot of like fake gurus that are promoting things that don't work and snake oil salesmen and all of that. But you can curate your feed to, imp to show you less of that and engage with less of those people. Talking about frustrations, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, leave you with this one frustration that I was only reflecting on this morning, not because I was going to be uh, uh, talking to you, but my one frustration is when I get uh, a connection request on LinkedIn and it will always be something like, Hey, call looked at your profile. It's really good. I see some synergy. Blah, I'd love to connect. That word. So, <laughs> so, and then I make the mistake of connecting. I, you know, I don't know. I'm just too trusting. I think I'll give this guy a, a, an opportunity. And then within 10 minutes, Blah, I get some sort of sales pitch and I, I end up deleting these people now. I've got, I, I get this, like maybe I'm turning into a Victor Meldrew. I don't know. I'm getting older. And I just delete these people out of anger because I'm thinking, why do you do I that? I think most you know? people do. Pitch slapping, as I call it, is not the way forward. Pitch slapping, I like But, that. do you know, a few times I've actually pitch slapped them back when they've sent me these resources <laughs> and one of them became a client. Oh, really? Well done, you. I was like, this is not how you do LinkedIn and if you like help doing it better... And he actually booked me. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Which is amazing. <laughs> Which demonstrates your power and the power of authenticity when you come across real. Le <laughs> Leah, I know that you're very busy. Thank you so much for spending time with me and uh, spending time with uh, our audience on Human Centered Leadership Podcast. Thank you. Thank Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Have a great day.